Well, please open your Bibles to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. God willing, we're going to be studying the book of Genesis in the months to come. It's been a number of years since we've done this together. I think it was 2018. And uh, how many of you were not here in 2018? Let me see your hands. You see? That's why we're doing this. So we're grateful that we have God's Word. And I'm going to read this first chapter, and then we'll begin our study. This is God's Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, 
livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, He rested from all the work of creating that he had done. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Isn't that lovely? Isn't it powerful? Isn't it great? Are we supposed to believe this? I mean, it's nice, but is it true? Yes. Yes. Now, do different people who believe it's true have different understandings of what it says and what it means? Yes. But I know this. God has not only revealed himself in creation so that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth his handiwork, But God has revealed himself through his word. The scriptures are God-breathed. God gave us this so that we would know the truth. I am an increasingly old man. I've been studying this book most of my life. I didn't learn to read until I was... I don't know, five or so, but only because I didn't have the opportunity. But but the fact is, I was studying God's Word before I could read. I was being taught the Scriptures because the Scriptures are God's Word. They are all trustworthy. You can believe it. And what this tells us, and we'll go into more detail, God willing, starting on Friday, but what this tells us is that nothing is here by accident. 
And that is certainly true of you. You're no accident. God made you, and he had a purpose. You were made by design. So you're saying everything about everything is the way that it's supposed to be and God says it's very good? No, we're going to get to that part. Early in Genesis, we will find out about why there's a whole lot of stuff that's a mess. And it's all because of sin. People blew it. God said, if you do what I say, it's abundant life. If you disobey, it's going to bring death. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why there's a lot of stuff that isn't the way that it originally was, and it's not the way that it's going to be. Jesus taught his followers to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, so does that mean that uh, there's a lot of stuff on earth that is just contrary to God's will? Well, it depends on what you mean by God's will. God is in control, and if God chose to, he could fix it all right now. But if God right now were to get rid of everything that isn't the way it should be on earth, none of us would be here for lunch. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians, and he says, look, I am pressing on toward the mark to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. He says, but I... I'm not saying I've already arrived. I haven't already become all that God intends us to be. I referenced in my prayer what we're told in 1 John. What amazing love God has shown to us that we should be called his children. And that is what we are. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that When Christ comes and we see him face to face, we're going to be transformed into his glorious, glorious likeness. We don't see that now. When I walk around, if somebody shields their eyes, it's not because I'm glowing. It's like, you and I are not the way that God created male and female. You and I are not the way that we will be in heaven. But I want you to know that God says he's the one who has a plan for you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins. You're trusting Jesus. Your sins are paid for. And you need to know that because there are, again, I I say this over and over and over, but you need to hear it over and over and over. Satan is a judo expert. And he doesn't care if you go in this extreme or this extreme. He just doesn't want you to embrace the truth. And so this extreme over here says, I am perfect just the way I am. I just think, you know, 
I am so fantastic. Everybody everywhere ought to recognize that I don't need to change anything about me. I'm, I'm absolutely perfect. I'm wonderful. Okay? I'm the best. I'm the greatest. And I'm going to tell myself that over and over in hopes that I'll eventually believe it. <laughs> That's one extreme of insanity. The other extreme is to say, oh, I'm, I'm just absolutely worthless. I don't deserve to draw breath. I just... I think the world would be better off without me. I, I, think, I think I ought to just, I ought to punish myself. That's what I ought to do. Because I just, I'm just, I'm just no good. I'm just absolutely no good. I'm never going to be any good. I can't change. I'm... That's a lie from the enemy too. That's a lie. God offers salvation. He says, whosoever will may come. Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He invites everybody. Sadly, the universal response of unregenerate people is to say, ah, <laughs> no thanks. I've got my own life to live, and I want to be my own boss. I want to do it my way. That's called human nature. Well, so how, how can a person be saved? Because God changes hearts. He takes away the heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh. He takes the blinders off our eyes so that somebody who is headed this way suddenly meets Jesus and repents and begins going this way. What happened to them? God saved them. Why did he save that one? The only clue we're given in Scripture about God's methodology in choosing those he will save is in 1 Corinthians, where it says God deliberately chose the nobodies. God deliberately chose the people that wouldn't get chosen, that wouldn't get picked for the team. If you were putting together a, a team for God, okay, You'd pick the wrong people. You know, I would want the, the brilliant and, and powerful and wealthy because just think what we could do to fix the earth if we had all the right people. God says, no, no, no. I'm going to pick the nobodies. Not many wise, not many noble, not many powerful, not many that this world would choose. One of the past queens of England said she was saved by the letter M. She said, how I thank God that he didn't say not any noble, not any rich, not any powerful. He said not many. God saves some brilliant people. God saves some wealthy people. God saves some powerful people. But mostly, he has chosen to save the people that would not make the A-team. That means there's hope for us. Because God doesn't look at us and say, well, if you clean up your act, maybe. God says, come to me. 
I will give you rest. Are you weary? Are you in need? Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need for him. So, why are we going to study the book of Genesis? Because it's the truth. It answers so many questions that people have asked throughout history. So, you know, how, how, how this guy, I mean, did you say Moses wrote this? Well, I didn't say that, but yes. Um, how did Moses know this stuff? Because this is God-breathed. It was inspired. That's what the word inspired means. It was inspired by God, and Moses wrote what God told him. And I'll tell you something that you just need to embrace this if you want to understand reality. God was there when all this happened. Okay. Moses wasn't. Moses doesn't pretend. Well, yes, boys and girls gather around. You know, you can tell by my beard I'm a very old man. I want to tell you about what it was like on the first day of creation. He wasn't there. But he could say, gather around. I want to tell you what it was like on the first day of creation. Because even though I wasn't there, God told me. And this is how it went down. Okay? So this account is God's word. There's plenty in it that has layers of meaning and significance and that even people who love the Lord and believe it's true don't agree about. And I'll give you an example. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was, was formless and empty. Let's see, I see a little letter up there after the word was. It goes to a footnote down below. It says, or possibly became. So... Verse 2, now the earth became formless and empty. Darkness is over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God is everywhere in the water. Oh, Pastor Wood, I can't believe you're going to bring up the gap theory. Well, I am. And the reason is because even though it is not the view of most folks, it certainly is something we ought to take into account as an example of what some folks believe who really believe the Bible's true. They believe that word would be better translated became. Well, is that Hebrew word sometimes translated became? Yes, it is, but not often. It's usually translated exactly as we have it here and exactly as translations have had it going back to the Septuagint, which was the Jewish translation into Greek before the time of Christ. Okay? The general consensus has been that it should say 
the earth was formless and void. But it could also say became, because that word in Hebrew is translated became sometimes in the Old Testament. Okay, so which is it and what difference does it make? Well, one difference that it would make is it would help us understand not just that the earth might be older than the more recent recreation, but it would help help us understand, for instance, the existence and fall of Lucifer. What do you mean by that? Well, in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The terms used there don't just refer to the sky that's going to be talked about later on, or the land that's going to be talked about later on. It's talking about the universe, and the rest of Scripture makes this very clear. We're talking about God didn't just create this planet. God didn't just create this solar system. God didn't just create this galaxy. God created the entire universe, and not just the physical universe. God created all the spirit beings that we don't see that exist in the spirit realm. God created all that. And the Bible testifies to that over and over and over again. So, unless you're going to believe that Satan, for example, has always been around. He's the dark side. God is the light, and Satan is the dark side. And it's the yin and the yang, and um, you don't want to go over to the dark side. You want to stay in the light. Well, you don't want to go over to the dark side, that's for sure. But the yin and the yang, that's a lie from the dark side. Satan is not God's equal. Lucifer was not Jesus' spirit brother, as Mormonism would have it. You and I need to understand that God didn't come into being at the beginning. Well, where did God come from? That's a nonsense question, totally legitimate for little children. Because Everything else has a starting point. Everything else came from somewhere. So naturally, we wonder, where did God come from? God didn't come from. God has always been. Well, everything else has a starting point. Yeah, because God made everything. Everything else has a starting point precisely because God made everything. And so, of course, everything else is going to have a starting point, but not God. The fact that everything he made has a starting point doesn't mean that God must have to have one. Who made God? Nobody made God. God's always been. Well, I just don't believe that. Okay, you don't have to believe it, but it's not going to change reality. The truth is God is eternal. He has always been and always will be. But in the beginning, which by the way is where we get the name for the book Genesis, in the beginning, God 
who was already there, made the heavens and the earth. He made everything. And there's a lot of stuff God made that you and I don't see. Amen? There's even stuff in the material world that we don't see, unless we get an electron microscope. Okay? Fascinating what you can see with an electron microscope. I have one up at the house. No. <laughs> no, I don't. But, but I've seen some of the things you can see with an electron microscope, and it is amazing. I think it's amazing what you can see with just a regular microscope. Absolutely fabulous. You look at the, the cells of a thing. Plant. Insect. Amoeba. An amoeba doesn't have cells. It is a cell. I'm glad you know that. But guess what? You can actually watch a live amoeba under a microscope. But you have to have a microscope to watch a live amoeba. Okay? You can't see it with just this eye unless you've got magnification. Okay, so what, what's your point? My point is there's all kinds of stuff that we didn't even know existed because we couldn't see it. And then after we could see it, then we began to name it, continuing what Adam got to do in Genesis 2, and that was name the creatures. We still do that as an exercise in dominion, but more about that another time. I want you to see in Genesis 1 just a couple of basic points. We'll look, God willing, in more detail next time. But I want you to see, again, I'm reiterating, God made everything. God made everything. And God made it with a purpose. He had an assignment for the various things he made, and he took delight in his creation. God didn't create some things on the first day and look at it and say, mm, that's not very good, let me try again. And so the second day he did some other stuff and he looked at it and he said, well, that's a little better, but it's not, still not good. No. From the very beginning, everything that God does is good. If you believe that, it will change the way you view your present circumstances. Not that everything that's happening in my life is good, but believing Romans 8.28, that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. Well, is there anything uh, in this world that you believe uh, God views as not good? Oh, yes. God makes that abundantly clear all through the scriptures. There are things that happen that anger God. So, uh, so, so that part was out of his control. Nope. God has sovereignly chosen to allow people to do things that are evil. Not because he doesn't have the power to prevent it, but because he has sovereignly chosen to allow people to experience the consequence of sin. This world is filled with evidence that something's wrong. Even people who don't believe in God 
look at stuff that's going on and say, huh, I, you know, I, that, that's just wrong. Bingo. You're right. Some atheists, thinking themselves wise, want to argue against the existence of God because if there is a God, and if God is good, and God has all power, then why is there evil in the world? Read the book. Answers that question. The reason there's evil in the world is because God gave our first parents choice. And we said, hmm. Well, I know God said I shouldn't, but that looks good. (laughs) I know you can't imagine a person who thinks like that. When we're done, you can all go look in the mirror. Right? All of us follow that pattern. That's why we need a Savior. It's why God doesn't say to us, okay, I hope you've learned your lesson. Now from now on, don't ever mess up again. And then you can come to heaven. We'd all go to hell. Wouldn't we? I mean, if God said, one more chance... Based on my history, I would say, (laughs) sorry, you might as well go ahead and send me to hell. Because I know myself. Pastor Wood, I, I always thought of you as a person who does good things. Thank you. I do good things. But I try not to advertise the other stuff. Pastor Wood, are we going to find out something terrible about you? Not that I know of. But I'll tell you this. I had to choose in my closet this morning what shirt to wear. Because I just had a very nice shower and shampoo. And, and I, was, I put deodorant on. And, and then I went to my closet and I looked at the shirts. And I, I really had wanted to wear a denim shirt today. I have three. I wore one yesterday on my day off. It's now in the laundry. But this one, I think, had not been worn before. So I took it off the hanger and I lifted up the the armpit and I went. (laughs) And it smelled like laundry detergent instead of like me. So I put it on. All right. And then just to be sure, I sprayed a little bit of cologne. Now, here's the thing. If we're comparing this shirt to this shirt, we can conclude that this shirt is clean. But if I was needing surgery, and the surgeon said, uh, bring some shirts or something from your house because we're going to need them to use uh, around the area that we're cutting on, I would say, What? You don't want shirts out of my closet. I don't care if they came back from the laundry. Who knows what happened at the laundry, okay? I want you to have sanitized whatever is going to be around the wound when you work on me. Why? Because there's clean and then there's sterile, okay? 
When I was growing up, television commercials were aimed at people who did their own laundry. And they talked about a phenomenon called ring around the collar. This is back when men used to do work that created sweat, but, but they still wore shirts that had collars. Go figure. The consequence of this would be that gradually there would be a buildup of sebum and other things that got into the fabric and made it look kind of nasty. And so the poor housewife would stand there and try and scrub out the ring around the collar because we don't want to have to replace this shirt. The rest of the shirt's pretty good, even the armpits I got clean. But, but this collar, we've got ring around the collar. Let me just tell you something. You and I cannot clean ourselves up enough to make ourselves presentable to God. There is no way that we can fix our problem ourselves. That's why Jesus came. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Genesis tells us where we came from. Tells us where everything came from. And tells us that God has a plan and that you and I need to trust him so that we can experience what God created us to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us so magnificently. Thank you that you are eternal and the devil is a creation who is headed for hell. Thank you that we don't have to worry about the future because you are in control and at any time you can do what you choose. And even now, while people do things that offend you, you are still working all things together for the good of those who love you. Thank you that you would allow wicked people to kill Jesus and yet it was in accordance with your plan. You used the wicked choices of people to accomplish the devil's defeat and our salvation. So we give you thanks and praise. And we ask now that our lives would honor you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.